coming to you from a slightly different setting, location, and experience. But yeah, even though we are states apart, the quick six, we march on. We find a way. Uh, TK has ventured home for a couple weeks to spend some time with the fam before they all make the the big move down to Texas. So we're going a little remote, a little virtual. Which is like the norm nowadays, so it's okay. Yeah, so everybody watching this should be completely used to this type of information because Mm -hmm. this is what we did for like nine months. Yeah. So you went home. Uh, back to normalcy. Yeah, exactly. So you went home uh, Thursday. Uh, yeah, yeah, I went home Thursday, um, and here until like the fifth or the sixth. You know, we start on the seventh. Um, so yeah, I mean, here, 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 being dad as much as I can, husband, um, and then you know, trying to fill in the gaps as far as um, you know, seven on seven and playbook stuff and, and all of that. So while well, I can, what, what about you? What, what is your, you guys have seven on seven this past weekend or something like that, right? Yeah, we had seven on seven. We played in a seven on seven tournament last weekend. This is the last week of school. Yeah. So last day of school will be Thursday, graduation Friday. Uh, and then we'll have a week off before we start like our off season or our summer conditioning camp stuff. So a little downtime trying to figure out when the family is going to go on a little mini staycation, a little road trip, but other than that, we're really? just we're we're ready for school to end and things to slow down for about ten days because that's all we get. Mountains or or lake, ocean. Lane was very passionate tonight. She said she is not wanting the beach, so that works well for, for me, right? So hopefully we can we can push a little north a little bit. We'll see. Smart, very smart. But without further ado. Um, you right before you left, wrapped up spring ball there at McKinney yep. High. Um, and I wanted to ask because Salina being a smaller school, our spring ball experience is a little different. But mm-hmm. what uh, in your eyes, what's the biggest value asset and frustration? You know, kind of the pro and the con of of spring ball in the high school setting. Uh, no, that's a good question. I mean, I, I think it's, I think so much of that, uh, the answer to that is based on the situation, um, you know, offensively, defensively in regards of a program. So like, you know, for us having to install a brand new offense, um, I mean, having the spring ball is huge. You know what I mean? Um, you know, if, if I was at a smaller school, a 3A or 4A and we couldn't do spring ball, I mean, we could still have a version of an install, but it's not the same, you know, whatever you're, you know, Popping, popping pads, uh, you know, especially, you know, for us, we're going to be a very young team. Um, and there's just so many mistakes that, you know, those young guys have to have to make in order to learn because there's so many mistakes that we can't coach, you know what I mean? And, and lessons within those mistakes. So, um, I think in that regard, it's, it's extremely important. The only downfall generally in spring ball is just, you know, obviously the injury, um, you know, let's see, you know, you're, you're going to have those, um, you know, unwanted and unfortunate injuries and you got to be smart about how you practice. Uh, you still want them, you know, to, you, when they leave spring ball, they should be so excited. 
you know, to man, I can't wait till we come back in the summer. And so, uh, but the biggest pro for me is being able to actually see, you know, these guys within my own eyes. Oh, here's what he can do. Here's what he can do. Cause it's a brand new clean slate. I don't try to judge anything off of, you know, the previous year's film. I think if I was out of school for eight years and they, they're doing the same offense, um, I think there's still validity in having the spring ball. You can't replace uh, experience, you know, popping pads, but I think it probably need to be, um, tinkered back just a little bit you know because they already kind of get everything so it's more of just your nfl kind of running and to the finish type of you know or to the thud type of practice yeah as someone who firsthand experienced pretty much a new offense in a small school spring ball setting it's uh it's different because our kids, I mean, it, it was never a lack of effort, but it was it was pretty obvious that like as much as they mastered it through those on air no pad practices, mm-hmm. and when the trash cans become people that move or the secondary <laughs> starts to shift and roll, um, yeah. those lines on that those playbooks start to look a little different. So, um, yeah. I wouldn't say that it hindered us, but it was it definitely. You know, your your starting point as far as like week one is a little bit different when you don't have those like padded versions. Now, like you said, you go into year two, three, four, five, you know, we can still get a lot of value in, you know, those reminder reps in our version of spring ball uh, that'll get us ready for summer and eventually into two a days. So, um, yeah, it's a little bit different experience for sure. So, yeah. I think, I think the biggest thing that comes out of spring ball, um, you know, especially like at the 6A level, and I think at every level this is probably, um, not probably, it is relevant, um, but with higher level ball, 6A, 5A, I mean, when you're talking about big boy ball, um, you know, and I'd say even even down to 4A, the biggest difference is, is, you know, you got your ones, but how good are your twos, and what's the drop off there? And so I think spring ball is a great time, whether you're in pads or you're not in pads, um, to develop those twos, develop your threes, and you try to want to you know close that gap uh, in regards of depth because you know when, when it comes to uh, you know your Allens of the world, um, you know the, the guys that have you know had a program history and, and, and doing things you know the right way, and their depth is great. Uh, their twos, there's not much of a drop off at all, um, and so I think if you use spring ball the right way, you kind of figure out who your starters are you know, kind of going into the fall and then you're also developing, you know, your twos and your threes. And so with that being said, just curious on like, what are your, what are your thoughts? And I know it's different, probably every situation, but like, do you, would you use spring ball as like a time to say, okay, Hey, that is, that is my guy. Like at the end of those, you know, practices, I want to be able to say that's my starter or, ah, couldn't really figure it out yet. We're going to use, you know, those two weeks before um, our first scrimmage in the fall you know, for that time as well, or is it too yeah, late at that I time? I think it's, um, from a skill position standpoint, you can get a pretty good idea of where you're going to go into two a days. Yeah. Um, but from a big standpoint, from an O-line standpoint, it's a little bit more difficult because we're zero contact. It's on trash cans mm-hmm. or on air. So it's guys stepping in the right way, remembering calls, remembering plays, remembering protections. That's kind of all we're really asking of, of that group in the spring. Sure. So it makes it a little bit more difficult, but yeah, from a skill position standpoint, you know, concept mastery, you know, offense mastery, as far as not 
penciling themselves in as a one position guy, being able to do a lot of different things. Um, that's what, that's what's really valuable for us in the spring is it gives us all these extra practices to put guys that, you know, we may have already known, okay, this guy's, this is a dude, like this is a guy we got to rely on, but now we want to rely on him heavily in all four positions or all five positions. So he's going to go do this today, or he's going to go do that tomorrow. And, and we can really flourish in finding out different pieces of information from a skill player that way. Um, the one piece I think you can get from all spring ball, though, from a quarterback standpoint, is is leadership evaluation, right? Mm. Does does yeah. their attitude, their work ethic, does it does it have a noticeable impact in the way that things go through a team session or on offensive practice? Is there a different level of intensity, execution, mm-hmm. effort when that guy's there versus not? And if you have a situation that's unknown you know, that's a, that's a really obvious thing that's kind of immeasurable from a a quantitative standpoint that we can still get because, you know, you can just simply count how many plays or how many busts or how many don't finish, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But it's not, that's not a stat that you're recording from like a leadership standpoint. So, Mm -hmm. um, I would say when you're trying to make a final evaluation, it's it's advantageous from a skill position standpoint, but from an O line type standpoint, you're you're learning what you can, but it's not enough to concretely check a box. Sure, yeah, that's a good point. Like the one thing that I've always kind of not always I've kind of learned it's important. Like, you know, and I'm a quarterback guy, but like from a quarterback perspective, if you're going into the summer, um, and let's just say you know figuratively you've got a hundred reps, you know, that that's all you can get is a hundred reps of just throwing the football all summer long, um, to, you know, your wide receivers, your, your ones across the board, um, going into it with two quarterbacks, it does give you the ability, um, you know, to compete all summer long. You definitely want that. Um, but now if you're splitting those up, now he's only going to get 50 with those ones. And so now the timing isn't as good as maybe what it could have been if you would have got all hundred of those reps. Cause maybe now that timing is great because all hundred reps have been with those guys that, you know, he needed to be with. Now I get it. If you're going into it like a deep competition and it's like neck and neck the whole time, I understand, you know what I mean? But also goes back to the old adage of you got two quarterbacks, you got no quarterbacks. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. You know, so it's, it's yeah, different, different situations, but I was curious with, you know, with each coach kind of how they handle that and what they look at spring ball as. That's one of, I think that's one of the trickiest things that I would by no means say that I've like mastered. Um, but when you do go into a situation, you've just graduated a guy or, you know, maybe it's an injury, you've lost a quarterback, whatever, Mm -hmm. um, putting together the ideal approach to an off season and a spring schedule, it gives an equal opportunity evaluation, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of like you talked about last week, the data points of how can we justify or document our decisions and what led us to those. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, I think it's something that I'm still trying to master or evolve how to do that. Yeah. And the moment that you don't, this is a moment that you're no longer a good cook. Very true. (laughs) um, Speaking of off season, Timmy Tebow is, 
catching some some footballs right now as we speak. What are your thoughts on that, Trevor Lawrence, Tim Tebow? Man, I don't. First, before we talk about Tim Tebow, did you see the Trevor Lawrence draft day thing? Apparently, uh, there was sure. a camera on in the Jaguars' war room, and homeboy sent them to voicemail three times. <laughs> Like he didn't know what was going on. I don't know. I just happened to see a quick clip of it. And it's like, you know, the joke was like, this guy did everything he could to not get drafted by Jacksonville. But I um, oh. found that to be painfully interesting. But the wow. Tim Tebow thing, man. Here's how old is Tim Tebow now? 36, 35. Yeah, I mean, he's not like he's 40. Yeah, but I mean, still, 35 years old for an NFL player is like ancient, right? Isn't Ben Roethlisberger like 37 and it seems like he's 50? I thought Ben's like 45 or something like that. Exactly, but I think he's, I don't know if he's 40 yet. That's what's crazy. Right. Um, Yeah, I mean, yeah, unless unless you're eating avocado ice cream and you're Tom Brady, then yeah, age is, age gets everybody. Exactly. Father time is undefeated. But, um. The thing about it in my eyes is that I get it. Urban knows him. He is athletic. His work ethic is unmatched. All of these things are true. Yeah. But he's a how many year NFL vet? Five. Mm. Who has to learn a completely new position that he already said he didn't want to learn four years ago. Mm-hmm. So now we're going to spend more money on a potential spot than some 22 year old rookie who has been playing tight end. And mm-hmm. maybe at his college, he was only asked to do one or two things versus the four or five that it's going to take to be effective and contributing on an NFL roster. I don't know. It's just sure. a very, it's a very interesting decision to make because Urban right. Meyer is already going to be under a microscope because he's another college coach that he's the next college coach that's getting his NFL shot, right? And those mm-hmm. guys, yeah. from a head coaching standpoint, they haven't proven to be the most successful. So understanding that every decision you make is going to be overly scrutinized, analyzed, broken down. Right. And so you bring in one of your guys, right? Led your team to a national championship, won the Heisman Trophy under your tutelage. All of those things may be true, but what at the end of the day, what does he really bring into the offense? Don't talk to me about right. the locker room. Is that important? Yes. Okay, but I don't want to pay somebody base the league minimum right now. I believe for a rookie is floating like at four hundred thousand. So I'll you add it. a five or six year vet, it's going to be minimum double that. So you're going to right, pay a guy a million dollars a year, basically, just to have a good attitude. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, you're right. I mean, I can see, I can see it with with Urban Meyer, you know, E plus R equals O, being a a big time culture guy. I mean, I'm trying to, you know, see the validity in that, you know, if he, if that is him truly, truly, um, then, 
I can see how for him to bring in probably his most impactful, um, positive culture difference maker. I can, I, I can see the validity behind that. Um, you know, I mean, I, I try to put it in, you know, if I was in his shoes and I would look back and say, okay, who is the player that I've coached in my career thus far, who had the most impact in the locker room and in the program and how impactful was it? And it's so like right now I'd probably say Chase Griffin. Um, and let's say Chase Griffin was not as good as, you know, what he was or as, as he is now. Um, would I still want to bring him back? Absolutely. Now it, it's because it truly was that impactful. Um, so I can totally see the validity in that regard. But it, it, it would have to mean that like I'm, I'm sticking with that culture um, 100%. Now, I'm the devil's advocate, um, not saying that culture is not important in the NFL because it, it's, it's important from peewee all the way through the NFL. But I also think that one player does make that much more of a difference in the NFL compared to high school. Um, you know, I think the culture in the locker room at the high school level is so much more important. And Chase Griffin or Tim Tebow – can change it that much more in the NFL. It's you know guys a little bit more mature for the most part, um, and so that's kind of the devil's advocate to it. Where it's like your point. Well, is it better at that point than to bring in a 22 year old you know rookie um, you know who hasn't been an analyst um, slash baseball slash golf you know and right, he's been like, playing football. He's got experience. Yeah, and it's just I mean I I understand. You know him. It's valuable. But you just drafted Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. How many yeah. amazingly positive things has Dabo said about his leadership, his character, over the past three years? Sure. What yeah. are we doing? Yeah. He's going to cost He's gonna cost the franchise millions of dollars. Is culture important? 100%. Should I pay a million dollars a year for it? to a guy that doesn't contribute to justify the hundred, the million dollar salary hit. I mean, you know, culture is yeah. important when you've seen the Ed Reed interview, haven't you about the 2012 season yeah. talking about the ankle tape mm-hmm. culture is important, yeah. but you know, what's great. Absolutely. When your first round draft picks are great culture guys, they're hall of mm-hmm. famers that have great character. Obviously every yeah. first round draft pick can't do that. But if you have the right. number one overall pick, that's the expectation. That's why we're yeah. going to pay you millions and millions of dollars, and we're going to give you a five-year deal when you're 21 years old. Is there any any is there any uh, value thought process behind Tim also being able to be the guy that helps? Um, I don't want to say mold, but no. helps kind of grow Trevor Lawrence. No. None. Not at all. Who are the backup quarterbacks for – I don't even know who they are. Who are the quarterbacks right now for, for the Jags? I, I mean, I couldn't tell you right now. I don't either, but I know Tim Tebow is not going to help mold Trevor Lawrence. If you wanted that guy, you should have went and grabbed Fitzpatrick before Washington did. That's a good point. Yeah, Fitzpatrick. I mean, I've, I I've totally talked to that. guys that played with Tebow, and – I've heard interviews with, um, what's his name, receiver Eric um, Eric Decker, 
interviews mm-hmm. of his frustration when it's seven to six midway through the fourth quarter and they've completed zero passes. Right. And then somehow they go and win 13 to seven on a last minute drive. And the offense produced 182 yards of offense and 18 of it was through the air. Is that because of culture? Maybe, but he, that's not yeah, a development yeah. that I want my number one overall pick to go through. I mean, yeah, statistically, absolutely not. I'm just yeah, saying. Yeah. <laughs> they won get one it. playoff game. Right. Was it yeah. cool? Yeah. But it was also because the Steelers went cover zero and he completed a post to one of right. the fastest guys in the league. It was a great post. I'm just um, like, do you really want to push? Not you, Not going all in, but do you really want to push that many chips into – the culture expense. Right. You know how, I mean, we've talked about this before. You know how Gino Ariema creates culture? Competition. Do it right. Try real hard or the next person will. That's to me, that's the NFL. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, we're not going to know the method of the madness in, in which urban, you know, saw this in, um, you know, in his mind, I'm doing this because of blank. Um, and we may end up looking back and saying, wow, he did that just because that was his guy. Um, you know, or we could look, we're going to look back and say, what a genius. Like he did this and Tim Tebow, um, you know, on the 30 for 30, you know, 10 years from now, all of his teammates say, this is what Tim brought us. And you're like, whoa. Urban was right. So it's going to, it's going to go one way or the other, no in between in that regard. Um, smartest move ever, stupidest move ever, but um, it'll be interesting to see kind of how it pans out. I think that one of the most important pieces to this justification is he's, I think he has to contribute. I think well, for sure. Yeah. Production or reduction. Or the other. Yeah. Like the, and that's the thing is that all of these other pieces we know they're character pieces of who Tim Tebow is as a football player, locker room teammate guy. We know that. Mm-hmm. And they mean absolutely nothing. If he goes out there and lays an egg, if he can't block, right. if he can't run around and catch the ball, I think he can. Yeah. But I think he right. could have four years ago when they told him to, and he basically refused. Sure. So yeah, absolutely. He need he needs to make the team and go be a five, 400, 500 yard type guy in some and that's total right mm-hmm. give him you know give him a couple of handoffs shovel passes send him out on a quick out you know well why option all of it but that's how mm-hmm. you ju- that's the just then it's 100 percent. then it's the 30 for 30 then we're all hey. in on how it how uh, what a great decision that is because anything less than the 30 30 huh you can't deny how good the 30 for 30 is going to be. Oh, it'll be fantastic, especially <laughs> if he's actually a contributing member. But I don't need mm-hmm. a personal protector for $850,000 on punt. Yeah. And right. I don't need a guy that's, you know, always smiling and pushing his teammates to work real hard. I need that guy to do those things and help us move the chains. Yeah. I mean, now. On the flip side, he was able to yeah, I shouldn't go this way, but Oh no, go. I mean if he was if he was able to 
control Aaron Hernandez and, you know, win, win a championship that way and, you know, control the team that way and ball out. And he's right, special. you shouldn't have gone that way. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know. I don't know. So, but, yeah, I mean, regardless, I mean, he's a special guy. Um, he, he, he is who he is. He's very genuine. And if it works out, good for him. And if it doesn't, uh, he still did way more than I've ever done. So Yeah, way uh, more. It'll, it'll, yeah, it'll be appreciated. It'll be it'll be interesting to see kind of how it works out. And I, I wish that would be the best for, for him. So The caveat to that way more is it's way more than either of us. It's not a one-way street. The mo- yeah, the, the most 99% of, of, you know, the human population yeah, ninety nine point nine percent of the people that are making comments on it. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like I mean, so, and on. it's it could be it could be a testament to you know his baseball career. Well, you yeah. know it was something I wanted to do, so I went and tried to do it. This is an opportunity for him to do that, and if he fails, he's not going to be lesser of a person. But it is an interesting decision from a GM front office standpoint. For sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I said, it's going to be uh, the stupidity or. Uh, naive or genius of Urban Meyer. So speaking of GM front office decision-making, the background of my home studio, as I like to refer to it, um, I've got two pieces of sports memorabilia that represent two of my favorite all-time athletes and players. Um, mm-hmm. And one of them, is a signed Cincinnati Bengals helmet by my favorite player, Chad Johnson or Chad Ochocinco. And if you don't know anybody, Chad Ochocinco is hands down my favorite football player of all time. Um, Really? Yes. I've had, I have his jersey. I have helmet. When Ochocinco clothing line came out, I had t-shirts. I am... (laughs) When I was in high school, I wore 85. So I am all in on him. And, and I don't, I I don't have like a long list of those, right? I have a favorite rapper who we talked about. Yeah, I have Mm -hmm. a favorite football player. I have a favorite baseball player, right? Like I try and be very specific and committed in that. Mm. So my question to you is who's yours? First off, is that it right there? In the in the background of the helmet? Yes. Can you pan a little bit so I can see it? Or so, uh, so we can see it? I actually can't. But mm. you'll be able to see it's it. Just a te- just, it's, it's just nice. a teaser. They'll Got be it. able oh. to see it, I should say. Okay. Oh, you're going to like, like camera and then crop it in there? Yeah. Like that. That's pretty cool. Gotcha. Um, what was the question? Who, who's my favorite player? Favorite player. NFL player. Dude, I'm like... You and I are like so opposite when it comes to this too, because like I'm like the guy that's like, yeah, these ten guys are my favorite. You know, plural. That's um, too bad. Can, you're not getting out of this question. Yeah. Okay. So j- just in overall, no position, just in, just favorite player ever. Ever. Yep. Right. Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to like say something besides Tom Brady. Um, well, if it's Tom, Br- I, I, I kind of figured your answer was going to be Tom Brady. Right. Um, I mean, okay. I'm sitting there with, well, no, 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 I'm just saying I'm sitting there with, I'm sitting there with, with, uh, with Brady. Um, and, 
Um, Aaron Rodgers. I love Aaron Rodgers. Um, I, I love Aaron Rodgers. I right, let's awesome. go Aaron Rodgers. So Aaron Rodgers, f- why? First off, why? And then favorite play like of memory of his? Um, I mean, I, I say those two. I mean, those two couldn't be any more different, um, you know. But, I mean, there are some commonalities between, you know, Brady and, and Rodgers. But um, I always like Rodgers just because um, – I liked him more since he came on to the Pat McAfee show, which, by the way, if you guys have never listened to the guaranteed like Tuesday where Aaron Rodgers was always on Pat McAfee show, you should go watch it because there's some knowledge he drops. It's it's incredible. Um, he's he's a very, very smart man. Um, but I thought it's very impressive for him to kind of go, you know, his whole career, Juco, you know, Butte Junior College. Um, and he's always just done a really good job of saying, you know what? No, like that's not good enough. Like, you know, I deserve better. You know, on the flip side, like I, I, I need to do better. You know what I mean? Like he's he does a great job at knowing, you know, how to admit both of those, uh, when to stand his ground, which I think every great quarterback, you know, knows how to do. Um, and then same thing whenever you know Favre left. You know how hard that would be. Impossible. I mean, yeah, and it's like you know for him to go out there and just be like. He got booed. I don't know if you remember that. He got booed often, a lot. It uh, wasn't always perfect. And to still have the swagger, and it wasn't cocky, but it was swagger, the confidence to say, you know what, this is who I am. I don't need to fill anybody's shoes. I'm going to make my own shoes. Um, and, uh, you know, make somebody want to try to fill those. I'm going to leave my own legacy. I always respect the people that do that because I, I think that takes a great deal of confidence. Um, but more importantly, like security within yourself. Um, to know that like, I don't need to be anybody else. And um, I think the biggest lesson I've learned from it is at the end of the day, don't try to be like, I want to be as good as that guy. I'm better than that guy. It's like, no, you should be better than this guy. Like be better than him every single day. You know what I mean? Like the best yesterday, I'm better than him the next day. And at the end of the day, if that's not better than that guy, that's okay. Um, I think the best in the world, they do that. Um, And so, in regards to the favorite memory, man, um, I could probably after this find one, but anytime I think about Aaron, it's always just like his ability to be able just to effortlessly make those quick movements and then just the, the flick of the wrist and it going 60 yards. And if you were just to pan on his like body, you would think it's, he's throwing like a five yard hitch and it's a 50 yard just rope. I think it's one of those things we're watching greatness and people don't even realize it. Um, and on top of that, you still have a guy named Tom Brady playing as well. It's like, man, we need to stop arguing and we need to start embracing this stuff. And if you're the Packers, show a, bit, show a little bit of respect uh, to the MVP and, and stop dragging his name to the mud. And then, you know, well, you know, he knows how we feel about it. You know, we, we really like, no, no, we should have said that a long time ago. Um, so good luck replacing the MVP. Uh, well, and that's what they, I mean. respect to Jordan Love. Yeah, and that's the thing that that's kind of what happened with Brett Favre, right? They mm-hmm. didn't, you know. I my assumption is I was still in high school. I think maybe f- freshman sophomore year of college, but they got a little frustrated with the lingering. Is Brett Favre going to retire every single off season? <laughs> and they stopped showing him the love. They stopped showing the Hall of Famer the love. And yeah. you know, I I don't want to say they got lucky because obviously they're you know. They got lucky that Aaron fell to them. It, they didn't get lucky that they made a good pick. They just got lucky that right. he fell to them because things could have gone totally Correct. different. Um, 
One thing I was going to say though, is, uh, it's funny that you brought up like him getting booed. Cause I recently this week, I saw that clip of like when he came in for an injured Brett Favre against the Cowboys, somebody put it on Twitter and Chris Collinsworth saying something like, Oh, it's not going to get any better now, especially with Favre if they've got Aaron in. Yeah. <laughs> and so <laughs> it was just, it, it was funny that, that you brought up the booze, uh, because of that. But, um, for me, man, you went on like philosophical and like, how does he make me be, be better? Chad Ochocinco, like, A, really good. I think he's a Hall of Famer. I think that, and I know people call me crazy when I say that, but he's a 10,000-yard receiver, which there's guys that have gotten in with less yards. Yeah. But I feel like that's a statistical measurable that you can go with. Um, right. But for me, the thing that Chad always did that kept me – like watching him was that the game was always a game. It was fun. And did he take it a little too far a couple of times? Absolutely. But his goal, and he'll openly say this was just to make people enjoy being there. Like the, the soundbite clips of him taking the phone from somebody in Carolina, like during pregame. Yep. And it's like, no, we got seats for you in four Oh four. There's still room. You got plenty of time till kickoff. Right. Or like turning towards the fans yeah. and be like, I'm going to give you your money's worth today. You know, that's yeah. what all of, that's what his game was about because I think it's a direct reflection of how he grew up and how football mm-hmm. was like an out for him from Liberty city. But that's why he was always entertaining for me. And I was always connected to him. A, he could do a lot of things that I wanted to do, but I wasn't physically capable of, but B, the game was always fun. It was always fun and it mm-hmm. wasn't, you know, there's a, like, I'm really impressed by Drew Brees and like what he was able to accomplish throughout his career from high school to college to the NFL part one and the NFL part two in New Orleans, you know, mm-hmm. but he's like real intense. Yeah. And I know that the NFL is a business and you, there, there's a lot of validity to that level of intensity, but man, it's really fun too. And it's, I just, yeah. I've always appreciated guys that had the ability to hold on and harness that aspect of the game. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that makes sense to me. I mean, it's, it, that kind of, that kind of brings me to the, to the big debate this past weekend. Some, some white dude tweeted out like Tyreek Hill is the, you know, the, the best or the most, the most dangerous deep threat. Um, I think the game's ever seen. True, false. I mean, I saw a response to that. Before I answer, I saw a response to that. It was really funny, and it was Chris Collinsworth's uh, combine photo. And he said, this is the most dangerous deep threat. And he, I mean, he looks like a, a sick Tom Brady in his in his combine photo. But I don't know. I don't – I don't – it's it's really hard from a deep threat standpoint for me to pick anybody but Randy Moss. I, I would agree. I would agree with that, hundred percent. I, I, I mean, they're just they're different, you know. what I mean, but I would agree. Like, I, I think it's different, but Randy can't be Randy. Yeah, they're like his nickname was the Freak. Yeah, I, I mean, like, I mean, it's uh, you know, I, I didn't get you, you got Tyreek. No, you got Mossed. Yeah, you got Mossed. <laughs> you know, you, it's yeah, a segment I mean, on TV. Literally, yeah, every, <laughs> every week. Um, you know, respect Tyreek Hill. I mean, that dude's a freak, um, and he's only going to keep getting better. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, totally different. So how, how would you compare Randy and then Chad? Two different players. Um, Shaquille O'Neal, Kobe Bryant. I mean, just in, like that different. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I'd go that far. I would definitely go. That's pretty aggressive. That was, that was pretty aggressive, but it's, it's definitely like, this is going to be a funny comparison, but since you said basketball, it's like Derek Rose, John Stockton, like Derek Rose, they're both point guards. Derek Rose is an MVP. John Stockton was an MVP caliber during that time. He just played against, you know, MJ. Two comparison that makes sense, but they just did things that are important to the point guard. They did different things that are important to that position really well. Right. And Chad and Randy are the same way. I mean, Ray Lewis, they played him and Chad played each other for a decade straight twice a year. And he said, he is one of the greatest route runners to ever play the game because there's nothing, there's nothing ever come across the NFL like Chad Johnson's feet. His ability to a get off of press and then B make the top of his entire route tree look the same is it's ridiculous. Did you ever watch, you remember it was on Fox sports Southwest and then ESPN, I guess like bought it or bought the rights to it. The sports science. And they used to do Uh, like, no, I remember. Yeah. I remember all that stuff. Yeah. John used to do, it turned into like a sports center segment, but it used to be like 30 minute episodes and they would do different stuff. And it always, this one always stuck in my head for two reasons. Chad Johnson was on it, but it went straight to something coach Babers told us. Um, if you, he was like, nobody can stop in, in one step. But if you can, if you stop in four steps, you can't play. If you stop in three steps, you might, you'll, you'll start. And if you stop in two steps, you know, you're an all American, you're an NFL guy. And he said, but nobody can stop in one. And they went and put slow motion cameras on Chad and he did. And they were like, Chad Johnson can literally stop on a dime. And you know, Ray used to joke that Ray Lewis used to joke that a big reason that he was able to do that is because he only weighed a buck oh five. But that <laughs> was what made Chad so special is that his feet and he knew it. That was Chad yeah. Johnson was the reason that I would get pedicures in, in college. He said, These are the most valuable asset that I have. I have to take care of my feet. Hundred percent. Call it weird, don't care. But sure. that's that those were his money makers. So that's, he invested into the care of them, you know? And then you look at Randy, he's six, four, six, five, and runs maybe a four, two. We never actually know. Right. But you can't tell. It's got the Josh Gordon effect. You have no idea if he's trying, if he's running full speed, half speed or three quarter speed. Cause they all look the same, you know, on top of the fact that, he has some of the best concentration and softest hands in the history of the game. Some oh, of the yeah. catches he makes, yeah. like people love to talk about him taking the top off and going deep and things like that. You watch some of the catches he makes. There's one when he, I think it was 2007. He's in New England and they're at Miami and he catches a ball yeah. that's thrown at his left shoulder with his right forearm. Because the guy's holding him. 
He like squeezes it in front of double coverage with, and everybody's like, Oh my gosh, that's crazy. I'm like, no, that's not real. That defies the laws of gravity is what that does. You know, and Odell's catch. Yeah, it was crazy. But without using, without it being a three finger catch, Randy Moss was doing crazy stuff like that in the nineties. Yeah. uh, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There was Twitter in the nineties. Um, Man, there would be a lot more videos out there of Randy doing what Randy did. Facts. Fun facts, by the way. Who did Randy Moss sign with? Initially? Like, like right out of Marshall? No. Out of high school. Oh, out of high school. Uh. If you're watching this, pause, type it in the comments. Timestamp it. I don't know. Remember, I mean, you're going to say Got in trouble. They pulled his scholarship. Mm-hmm. Signed to Florida State. That's right. Was there yeah. for a very blip on the radar. Of coffee. Yeah, got sent home. Ended up at Marshall. Good things happened for the herd. Wow. Uh, I didn't know Notre Dame. I knew, I knew Florida State. I didn't know about Notre Dame. Yep. Why Notre Dame? You know? I don't, I, it was, I can't remember where I saw it, but I just know that those two schools were part of like his story. So. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. Special player. hundred percent.